Good morning. Good morning. Some of y'all, it's afternoon. <laughs> y'all been up a while, but thank you for being here. Uh, it's so good to see you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter uh, chapter 6. That's where we'll be here shortly. Today we're continuing this study called Pray Like This, um, walking through the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, I want to read the whole thing. We're going to come back and kind of start breaking it down, all right? Let me begin in verse 9 of chapter 6. Therefore, Jesus says, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our, our focus is going to be on verse 12 about forgiveness. Um, let me pray and let's, uh, let's dive in. Father, we thank you again, God, that uh, your word is true. It teaches us who you are. Uh, God, I pray that today you'd teach us to know you and that you would be with us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, one of the things I try to prioritize as a dad um, is uh, helping my children understand what forgiveness is. And what uh, what it means to say I'm sorry, right? I don't know if your kid, if you're if you're a parent in the room, maybe your kids uh, don't ever um, say ugly things or do ugly things, but mine make a habit of it. Uh, they're really good at it, and so I, uh, there's a lot of times uh, where the very people that they're hurting are me and mommy, right? Or their teacher at school, or another kid at school that they punched in the nose true story um but we there are times right where they've where they've done something against me they've hurt me and what i try to do um as i try to help them understand that they need to say i'm sorry right when you sin against somebody i teach my kids you need to say you're sorry now sometimes i have to make them drag them by the ear to make them do it um but even if it's me and her me if it, even if it's me and their mom i want them to learn to say i'm sorry and here's what I don't do, and I'm not trying, whatever you're, if you're a parent, you got your own parenting thing. But for me, I'm not okay when my kids come to me and say, I'm sorry, daddy. I don't say, it's okay. What I say is, I forgive you. Because what I wanted my kids to understand is that that's what we say. When somebody says, I'm sorry, we offer forgiveness. We give that forgiveness back. However, the best way I often teach my kids how to ask forgiveness is by asking it from them myself. If you're a parent, the first time you do that, that'll freak a kid out, won't it? Like when daddy comes with tears welled up in his eyes to apologize and they're like, it's okay, daddy. Like, no, 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 what do you say? I forgive you, daddy. You know, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, I had to ask for forgiveness twice this week for my kids. Uh, me and Dan were wrestling in the bed yesterday morning and I kicked my daughter in the nose. It was a glancing blow, very light. I don't even think I touched her, but she. it was the end of the world. No blood, no broken bones. It was just, but I had to say in that moment, because I'm modeling, even though I think she was faking, I had to say, Elsie Joe, I'm sorry. And she had to say, Daddy, I forgive you um, this week. Uh, sometimes it's not physical stuff. It's not accidental stuff. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's Daddy getting hot-tempered. Right? And I raise my voice to a level that's just unhelpful and unfruitful. And in those moments, I come back and I say, I'm sorry. That happened this week too. 
Um, and my son said, I forgive you, Daddy. Right? Like that's that's the things that we do. We're trying to walk with our kids. I want them to understand that even Daddy messes up. It's okay to mess up. When we mess up, we own it. We ask for forgiveness. And when somebody comes to you and says, I'm sorry, we say, I forgive you. Jesus, uh, and I also want to then understand that relationships are more important than pride. More important than your personal pride. Get over that mess and say, I'm sorry. Okay, Jesus is teaching the exact same thing in verse 12, I believe. We're going to walk through uh, just a couple of main points and then a few sub points for you note takers. Uh, the first thing is this. The first thing that Jesus helps his disciples understand and helps us understand is this. We need forgiveness. All right. Jesus says here, forgive us our debts, which would just be awesome, wouldn't it, if Jesus would answer that like literally and I didn't have a mortgage anymore and a car payment? Like, I would, I'd be gone. We had a guy come in this morning at one of our first service folks that's been visiting. I said, hey, did you drive it? You have a good time driving this week? He's a truck driver. He said, I retired. I said, praise God. Can I come? And uh, so he, he was pumped to be there. But, but like, if I, if I could just, if, if I, all of the, the, if my mortgage and more car payment would go away, that would be an answer to prayer. But that's, of course, not what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says debts, he's talking about something else. We know that because in math, in Luke chapter 11, Luke says a very similar thing. Uh, he actually takes the Lord's Prayer and, and he includes it in his uh, retelling of the gospel. Except instead of uh, it getting, uh, him using a word that gets translated as debts, he actually uses a word that gets translated as sins. So Luke records the Lord's Prayer as forgive us our sins. Now in that, there's a few things that we need to understand. There's three assumptions I think Jesus is making when he says he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. The first thing is this, you a sinner. You're a sinner. Have anybody's told you that today? My wife has. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. All right, um, but Jesus, what's interesting, Jesus doesn't add a caveat here. Jesus doesn't say, um, forgive us our debts if we have any, right? Like he doesn't add a caveat of if you've sinned, this is a prayer. There is a natural assumption in the Lord's prayer that anytime you want to pray it, you've got something to ask for forgiveness for because there's some way that you've blown it. You are a sinner. John, first John one eight says, if you have, if you say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Your sinfulness is always a good reminder uh, to be to be given often. It gives us, it keeps us humble and aware of our inability to do what God has asked us to do, which is what full and total obedience. That's what God has called you and I to. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." That means that God has set a standard for you and I, and we can't. We're not living up to it. It's a harsh reality for mankind. First assumption. You are a sinner. The second assumption by Jesus is this. You are in debt. You are in debt. And it's a whole lot more than that house payment. The fact that Jesus taught his disciples in such a way that when they looked back on his teaching, one of them could say debts and one of them could say sins and the Holy Spirit not correct them means that in, according to Jesus' teaching, those two things are the same. Matthew says, forgive us our debts. Luke says, forgive us our sins. And God didn't correct it. 
according to Jesus' teaching, it is debt and sin are interchangeably woven together. And that shows us something deep, uh, I think a deep theological truth that Jesus believed and taught. And that is this, sin creates in the human heart an indebtedness to God. Sin creates in the human heart an indebtedness to God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners, we deserve death from God. He is a perfectly holy and just God who set the world up to be perfect as well and holy and just. And you and I blew it. Humans, we're the ones that messed that up. We chose our own way over God's way. Within the prayer, forgive us our debts is the assumption that you are a sinner and the, and the assumption that that sin makes you in debt to God. And it leads to the third assumption, which is this. <laughs> you can't pay it. You can't pay it. There are two ways to get out of debt. One you're very familiar with and one you're probably not familiar with. One way is you work your tail off and you make your payments. And at the end of the period... They send you a thing that says, congratulations, you own your house now or your car or the Lowe's lawnmower, right? 12 months, same as cash will get you, won't it? That'll get you. Right? This is, this is, this is what's going on. That's what we do. You don't, you, you, you pay. There's a deadline. You pay. If you don't get behind in your payments, eventually your debts are paid for by your own hard work. That's one way. That's what we're most familiar with. The other way to get out of debt is to have your debt removed. If Wells Fargo, I, I said this in the first service, just hoping that like somehow, by God's grace, they'll see this. If Wells Fargo calls me this afternoon and says, Heath, you know what? You owe us a lot of money left on that house. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. We're going to have a party. And we're going to fire the grill up. Y'all bring whatever meat you want. We're going to cook for days. And y'all spend the night. We're going to, we're going to have, we're going to party right. It's going to happen at the Haney house and it's paid for and it's going to be good. It's probably not going to happen. Um, the other way as part of that, you can also, your, your debt can be removed, but your debt can also be paid for by someone else. Also going to float that out there. <laughs> Throw that out there. Anybody listening online or here today? Um, anyway, no, but you, someone else can call Wells Fargo and say, Hey, what do they owe? I'm going to pay it. Let's take care of that. Right. That can happen. That can happen. Probably not, but it can. But in those two cases, the second two cases, I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't do anything to pay the debt. I didn't work hard. There's nothing, no sweat, no, no dollars from myself were given. Someone else did all the work. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't tell them to pray, God, help me work off my debt. He didn't pray. He didn't ask them to pray, God, help me to help me to do more good than bad. God, help me to work off the things that I've sinned against you. He said, forgive our debts. Take them away. Remove the debts that we have against you. It's calling on the graciousness of God to forgive our debts by taking some sort of other payment. First Timothy 2, 5-6 tells us what it is. There's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at a proper time. Jesus was the ransom. The word means a payment to free someone from, from slavery or indebtedness. That's what ransom means. Jesus' life was the ransom that covered your sin debt with God. The blood that Jesus shed was the spiritual cash that paid it off. That set you free. And you need only turn from your sin and believe that that is true and that Jesus died and rose again. And you can experience freedom in Christ. If you've trusted in Jesus as Savior, your ransom has been paid. Your debt has been cleared. We got the phone call from Wells Fargo. It's covered. Spiritually speaking. You've been finally and fully forgiven of your sins. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you were dead in trespasses. It means you can't do nothing to help yourself. You can't fix it. You can't pay it. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, which means you're totally separated from God, He made God made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligation that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Y'all... I don't know if you missed that or if you slept through that. That's good news. Your certificate of debt has been <laughs> taken away and nailed to the cross in the person of Jesus. This is something that should cause us to holler. However, the question stands, if God truly has erased our certificate of debt in Jesus by nothing of our own doing, simply by grace, then why does Jesus teach his disciples to ask for forgiveness? This is the question that I wrestled with for like a good portion of my life. And I still see people wrestling with it, and I still wrestle with it from time to time too. If Jesus truly has forgiven me of my sins finally and fully, then why do I need to confess my sin to God? Uh, Catholic Church. They have, uh, they have seven um, acts that they call sacraments. One of those sacraments is called penance. And so penance is a way, um, is a way that we can be, that, that we can, all the sacraments, all seven of them, um, are uh, means by which we receive God's grace. Okay? So to the Catholic, when they read God's word, that's what they're taking away, is that there are things that we have to do to continue to receive God's grace. If we forsake those things, then we, we, God's grace is cut off. And so penance is one of those. Penance is when you go and you speak to the priest and you confess your sins to the priest and the priest tells you ways that you can make that right. That's the penance. Hey, you've done these things. Go say, go say three prayers. And do something, they may, they may ask you to do something kind for someone. They may ask you to do certain tasks. And those tasks are to, are to pay the debt for the sin that you committed that week. But what do we just see in Scripture? You can't pay the debt. So we're asking, uh, penance is not a thing. <laughs> okay. The, the title of this sermon online right now is penance, question mark. 
Because penance is something that the Catholics would preach, but it's not something that we see in Scripture. The New Testament does speak comfortably about a forgiveness that we receive when we are saved and an ongoing forgiveness that we need. The question is how do they fit together? Go back to 1 John 1, 8 that I said earlier. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. We already read that part. But listen to what he says next. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I thought they were already covered. Do you see the conundrum? Ten-pound word for you. Write that down on your notes. Use that this week. Do you see the, do you see the issue? The, 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 this seems to be a contradiction. But here's the deal. The key to understanding this. If you and I just look out on the service, we can get confused. If we don't ask God for help through His Spirit, you and I can get confused and we can think wrong things. But with God's help, what we come to is something that y'all have heard me talk about before and I'm going to talk about it about every three weeks to make sure that you get it. And that is that our relationship with God is two-part. It is union with Christ and it is communion with Christ. Here's what I mean. And that in that is the answer. Once we have surrendered our lives to Christ, we are in that moment brought into a union with Christ, an eternal union, a marriage that cannot be broken. This is the term that we use, salvation. You are saved. Part of that salvation is having all of your sins finally and fully taken away so that no, there is no longer a gap between you and God. No longer. This is union with Christ. Romans 8.1 speaks of that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. Union with Christ. If you were to die tomorrow in this state, you would be ushered into God's presence immediately beyond any shadow of a doubt, no matter what sins are in your life. Because you have been brought into a union, an eternal union with Christ. But until that day, what our salvation does is gives us an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. An ongoing daily relationship with the God who created everything. That is communion with Christ. That's communion. But that relationship, that communion is not promised to be killer all the time. If I wake up every night this week, every day this week, not every night. I don't wake up during the night. I wake up in the morning. If I wake up every morning this week thinking nothing of no one but myself, is my marriage healthier at the end of the week or weaker? Weaker. Duh. Okay? Duh. In the same way, we have a responsibility in our relationship with God, not in our union. We cannot do anything about that. That debt has already been paid in Christ. But in our communion with Christ, we have a relationship. If we are in God's word, worshiping through song, sharing our faith, being an active part of a local church, we will experience a closeness with God that is awesome and it's good and it's incredible and, and it's what God designed for us. However, if we neglect those very same things, what's going to happen? <laughs> You'll experience a distance from God. And He didn't move. You did. 
This is not a foreign idea, and we act like it is. Our human relationships are exactly the same time, uh, same way. If you dog me out, do something awful to me, treat one of my kids bad, and then you come to my house the next day and say, hey, man, you want to watch the ball game? I brought some dogs throw on the grill. You can watch the game through my window. You know what I mean? Like, I don't hate you. I love you. And I, I even forgive you, but you ain't coming to my house <laughs> yet. Right? There's a reconciliation that's got to happen. And it begins with you saying you're sorry for being a jerk to me or treating my kids bad. There is a relationship. The relationship with God will be affected if we do not ask for forgiveness. This is our communion with Christ. The problem is, is that we, we sin against God one day on a Saturday and we stroll up in church on Sunday morning and we might as well be watching from the window because we are not in the presence of God because we cannot experience the presence of God unless our communion with Christ is, is growing. And so many Christians just are going through life day in and day out with unconfessed sin against God. They haven't said, I'm sorry to God in a long time. That will affect your relationship with Him. Quit acting like it ain't. You can paint a pretty smile on your face when you come in and we'll smile at you. But all the while, you know what's going on in your heart. And I know what's going on in mine. We need to confess our sins to God and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Again, these, this unconfessed sin is not... A, hear me. This unconfessed sin is not affecting your union with Christ. But don't let that be an excuse to continue in it. Yes, if you die tomorrow with unconfessed sin, you will be ushered into the presence of God. However... If you are living with unconfessed sin in your heart, you are missing out on the blessings that this side of heaven have promised. Please deal with the sin. This is an issue of sanctification, not salvation. Sanctification is the, the, the lifelong process of looking like Jesus here on earth. And I wish that was where Jesus just quit and said, forgive us our sins. But he didn't. I didn't want to preach this. But let's go there, okay? What does Jesus say at the end of the verse? And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Put another way, forgive us our debts like in the same way as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus draws a direct, a direct tie between our forgiveness the debts that we have being forgiven and our willingness to forgive those who sin against us. And that is scary to this old boy. If you're a note taker, point number two is we need to forgive others. Jesus actually elaborates on it more at the end. And again, I wish he hadn't. <laughs> Verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But... If you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. Now, if we had just not laid the theological framework, if we had just not laid out that this prayer, forgive us our debts, is dealing with communion with Christ, not union, you just got really scared. Those of us who have 
who have uh, issues, a high school person, somebody that you went to high school with that you still hold a grudge against, a family member who you see at Easter and Christmas that you tuck your eyes away from them, or a neighbor that you put a fence up just to keep them out of your business. Really, when we, when we, if, if we just take Matthew 4, 6, 14, and 15, and we don't read them in context, and with the context of the whole Scripture, you and I, if you're not forgiving others, you're going to hell. That's what the Scripture said. What we just learned is that this is dealing with our relationship, our ongoing daily relationship with God. What that means is that if you're struggling to forgive someone, I promise you, your salvation is not in jeopardy. However, your walk with God is. Your walk with God is. You are hindering your ability to worship, learn from, be guided by, and be used by God because of your own pride. God help us. The unforgiveness that so many Christians walk through life with, they downplay it because, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, and I just got to deal with this. No, you don't. Just because it's not affecting your salvation does not mean it's not affecting you. And it doesn't mean it's not a big deal. We need to deal with this. We need to deal with uh, uh, unconfessed sin and we need to deal with unforgiveness like it's affecting our relationship with God because it is. And I can't think of any group of people who should understand forgiveness more than those of us who have trusted in Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. I butchered that. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. Again, union language. Forgive other people because you have been forgiven. Here's what I know. Here's what I've discovered as I was studying. Think about penance, the way the Catholic Church does penance. Uh, man, because we recognize that's not true, we say, praise God, man, I don't have to work for my forgiveness. God offers it freely, and he does. And we don't want penance when it comes to salvation, but we want it when we're dealing with other people, don't we? Hey, yeah, you did something wrong to me. Come on over here. Come on over here. Ask for forgiveness. I'm going to give you five things to go do, then we'll talk. That's penance. Now, that's what we want. You got a family member that sins against you. You got some th- you, They got some work to do. Before you'll call him friend again. We want penance. We just don't want God to treat us that way. Ephesians 4 said, forgive just as God also forgave you in Christ. There's a reciprocal nature to this, right? So Jesus says, forgive others so that you'll be forgiven. Ephesians 4 says, forgive others because you've been forgiven. So I don't know which one you need today. <laughs> which one you need to be reminded of today. Right? One of them's dealing with union, one's dealing with communion, right? You may need to be reminded today that you need to forgive others because God's already taken the biggest debt that you could ever owe. He took it away. Forgive out of that. Some of you need negative reinforcement. <laughs> That's the positive reinforcement. Let's go negative reinforcement. You need to be reminded that if you don't, forgive other people 
then God doesn't have to forgive you. Not of the salvation piece, but of your ongoing relationship with him. Your unforgiveness in your heart will begin to cause a rift between you and God. Paint a good face on if you want. It's happening. It's ongoing. Your ability to forgive others must be fueled by the forgiveness that we experienced in Christ and that we continue to experience in Christ. At another time in Jesus' ministry, Peter the Suck-Up. Are you all familiar with this guy? Peter the Suck-Up? Do you all know Peter the Suck-Up? Surely you know Peter the Suck-Up. Yeah. So um, Peter, Peter the Suck-Up wanted to impress Jesus with his ability to forgive. Okay, so we're talking about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. And Peter's like, yeah, I can just see Peter. Man, if you read the scriptures and you're a visual learner like me, like everything goes in a movie, you know, because I don't read, I watch movies. But so everything I read becomes a movie in my mind. It's like I'm thinking Peter's just got this little smirk. He's got like a little smirk about it. And he's like, hey, Jesus, this is, uh, what am I at? Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter approached Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? How about seven times? In this moment, Peter's thinking Jesus is going to go, whoa, dude, seven times? Somebody would sin against you. The Think about it for yourself. Somebody sinned against you in the exact same way, and you forgave them. How many of y'all going to go to seven? Like just in the flesh. So Peter's thinking, God, I'm fixing to get, I'm going to get a little gold star on my shirt. I'm fixing to get something. And so he says that, and Jesus said, Jesus wasn't impressed, though. Verse 22, he says, I tell you, not as many as seven. Peter's probably thinking, yeah, that's right. He says, 70 times seven. Or in some of your Bibles, 77. Either way, the point is, it ain't a number. What Jesus is saying is take the craziest amount of forgiveness you can imagine and multiply it. That's what kind of forgiveness we're talking about. Jesus says, let's take your number, whatever your number is in your mind, Peter, and multiply it several times over. Jesus is helping Peter here recognize that forgiveness is now being built into the DNA of us as Christians because we experience it on a regular basis. It doesn't mean it's always easy. And I'm just going to be straight with you. And this is controversial. There is a difference between forgiving and forgetting. I truly believe that. And here's why. Well, that's a whole other sermon for another day, but just to touch on it. Golly. So God has called us to forgive. I can forgive you without inviting you back into my life immediately. I can, there, is, there is a way to love with boundaries. That's what I'll say. And I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in friends' lives. I've seen that in, and, and all of us have a different, all of us have different boundaries that we need to keep. But the question is always, are those boundaries there because of, because of unforgiveness are those boundaries there because of love? What fuels those boundaries that you build? That's where we can ask the question, have you truly forgiven? If you're putting up boundaries because you don't trust them and you don't want to be around them, then that's not forgiveness. If your boundaries are up because you love that person, you've forgiven them, you've loved them, and you know that this is a boundary, I've seen that in my life. So anyway, that'll be another sermon for another day. We'll get to forgiveness one day. Uh, we need to be willing to forgive others. So here's what we got to start asking the question. We've got to start asking the question. When Jesus says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us, 
What are we supposed to do with that? We've talked a lot. I look at three spectrums of response every time I preach. How does this change what I think? How does this passage change the way I think? If you came in here thinking that the God you serve was a vengeful, just bloodthirsty God, you need to recognize that God stands ready to forgive all who will turn from sin and believe in Jesus. Jesus is a gracious God who does forgive finally and fully. I also ask the question, how does this change the way I, what I believe? How does this change what I feel? And I know there's two groups of people in the room right now. Some of you need to be reminded that, that uh, some of you are having trouble forgiving yourself for past sins. And you need to be reminded that if you're in Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus... It's done. Move on. It has been removed. The debt has been paid. The debt certificate of debt has been paid. You need to be reminded that your salvation is already and completely secure in Christ Jesus. If you're uncertain about that, we actually want to help you take that step today. We want to talk with you about how you can how you can see and experience the fullness of forgiveness. How you can experience union with Christ. We'd love to talk through that with you during this last song here in a moment. The other thing, maybe you're having trouble forgiving others. You need to be reminded that though your union with Christ is totally, finally, and fully secure, your communion with Christ is totally dependent on your ability to forgive us. It's totally dependent on that. If you are not forgiving others, then God is does not have to forgive you. Your relationship with God in a real way will be affected. You may need to come to this altar in prayer asking God to, for strength to forgive someone. Because here's what I know. When I started talking about forgiving other people, some of y'all, your your brain, there are parts of your brain that turned red. Because <laughs> you immediately thought of a name. Immediately. And then you thought, man, I hope you don't go there. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I did. Because the scripture did. You see? The scripture did. And so I just ask you, here's what I know. Most of the people, most of the people in here, if you've got a name that pops in your head, here's also what I know. There are numbers in your phone. I don't know what you changed their name to in your phone, but it's in there. And I pray that through the reading of God's word, that the spirit of God leads you to make a phone call when you leave this place. But I also know that maybe in the room, I pray that God would, lead you to make that right. Our relationship with God is in a real way affected by our lack of forgiveness for other people. That's how this will change what I believe and how is it going to change what we do. I pray that we act on this. You don't just leave here feeling bad about sin in your life. Do something. Take a next step. Take a next step. You may think, man, I have such a hard time forgiving. Well, forgive one person today. That's a step. Forgive one person today. 
I'm going to be down front to talk with you about any next steps. Maybe you're a Christian, you've never been baptized. We can talk about that. Talk about joining this church like these nine or ten people next door right now. Talk about finding you a place to begin to serve here at East. VBS is coming up. No matter your needs, step out and talk to us today. That's why I stand down here like a bozo staring at you. It's just to give you an opportunity to come talk. And we also have counselors standing at the back like bozos looking at you because they're here. We'll put them in every corner if we have to. We want to give you an opportunity to respond today to the message and take the next steps that God has provided in your heart. I'm going to say a word of prayer. I'm going to turn over the worship team, and you respond however God leads. Let's pray.